So the person with heart who wants to bust their hump, who will not rest because they still want to give you more, they still want to be more so they can be more for you, the, the fact that you have imposter syndrome proves you're not an imposter. You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, the podcast for coaches, thought leaders, and change makers who are ready to become the standout expert. If that's you, stay tuned because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and I want to help you build a successful business sharing your expertise, generate the impact and income you need to create your ideal lifestyle. It's time to make a difference and scale up. Are you ready? Let's enter the lab. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Eric. It's great to have you joining me here today. Thank you so much, Samantha. Thank you for having me. It's going to be a great conversation today. We've already had a, a really good conversation before we even hit record, and I decided that we were just going to dive in so that we didn't discuss all the gold before we hit record. Why don't you start off by sharing a little bit with our listeners about what it is that you do and the kinds of clients that you serve? Sure, sure. So I work with experts, coaches, consultants, entrepreneurs, professional visionaries, you know, folks like that, um, either, you know, solo folks or folks with, you know, small businesses that are looking for not just to, to increase sales, but to move dynamically from where they are, let's say mid six figures to into seven figures, et cetera and want to do that and bring more joy and, and passion into their work, more of themselves into their work. Um, ultimately, as you and I were discussing before, more of their beingness into their work so that they make more impact. And I know everybody says impact, mm-hmm. nothing, but really make more impact on their clients, on the world, on themselves. And, but most importantly, step into being who they really want to be as opposed to, well, I just want to move from this decimal point to that decimal point, who do you want to move into being and all the power and revenue and everything that comes from that, the meaning of life, basically. Mm, What a great way to start. Like, who do you want to be to make that impact? That is definitely something that resonates with all of my audience. How do people even start to really step into who that person needs to be? Because you mentioned that it starts at the top, you know, it's the mindset. You shared a really great analogy about a river. And I'd actually love you to share that before we even dive into that question. Because I think that that helps people to really visualize and understand what it is that you're talking about. Sure, sure. Um, I'll, I'll mix that up with a little background about myself and you'll see how that uh, cor- I'll probably make it an easier correlation for everybody. Well, 15 years ago, I was a business coach, started studying neuro-linguistic programming and got to master practitioner in that, studied silver mind control, was fascinated by the human subconscious because I realized that that's really where you could start playing with, you know, improving your life and everything else. So 11 years ago, I developed the guru selling system. I wrote the book, Be Do Sale. And that's when I got known first as the Bruce Lee of sales. And the point of the guru selling system was to help salespeople to develop their subconscious mind so they could sell more. And so I was doing sales team development and all this kind of stuff. It was really fun. And then I came across the quote from Peter Drucker that said, the aim of marketing is to make sales superfluous. And I said, well, that sounds really cool. So I went out and studied marketing and hyper-focused on lead generation because to me, that was the most important part of marketing, putting butts in seats and ultimately you know, selling to them. So when I studied lead generation, I realized that most messaging was aimed at people's conscious minds, which made absolutely no sense. So 
I developed the, because human beings function 99% subconsciously, so I developed subconscious lead generation. And then I became the Bruce Lee of sales and, and lead generation and more fans and yay and all that stuff. So I said, okay, but why stop there? Um, what comes before lead generation? Because maybe I can out Pete Drucker, Peter Drucker, right? And I, can, <laughs> I can go before, with, you know, before lead gen. So that was positioning. So then I went to study positioning. I read what was out there, which wasn't much. And I ended up learning most of it by modeling and other things. And I developed the peerless positioning system, which is 10 different elements of positioning. And I said, okay, great. Now I'm the Bruce Lee of sales, lead gen and and positioning, and I said, okay, just getting ridiculous. And so that's when instead of having a bunch of ands in, in my nickname, I just changed it to the Bruce Lee of, of revenue generation and was done with it. But I also said, okay, what comes before positioning? Well, brand. That spiraled very quickly into, okay, well, what comes before brand? Well, the founder. Well, what comes before the founder? Well, their mindset. What comes before the mindset? And pretty much being this was like the top, right? I said, okay, well, that's really the top of the mountain. So if you look at the whole process, you say sales is where, if you look at a river flowing down a mountain, you know, all rivers flow to the sea. That's where the river meets the sea is that, as that sales process. Mm -hmm. What you're looking for is how can I get more water flowing there and how can I get that water flowing faster, right? That's more people and more money, you know, moving faster, more sales, more rapidly. Well, you can walk halfway up the mountain and get, you know, somewhere around like positioning or brand or something or sales and bleed gen and say, okay, I'm going to build, I've got a trickle coming down the mountain as it is, but I'm going to build a big machine here, halfway down the mountain, and it's going to suck in a little bit of water that's coming in the back end, but I'm going to, it's going to turbo jet out the water out the front end. It's going to cost me a lot of time and money. And even though it spits the water really fast from, from here down to the sea, I still have a trickle coming in the back end, but yay, at least from here down, Woohoo! And it's what a lot of people do, right? Uh -huh. And you know, but the real work is is to go is to go all the way to the top of the mountain to back, you know, to, to your mindset, to your beingness. Because when you shift into that next level of beingness, that person you dream about being, that person that when you forget who you are for a second and forget your limitations and go, wow, just for a moment, I experience myself as this much grander version. You feel like, wow, I could do anything. I could make so much more happen. I could be, and ultimately, that's, you know, that's the whole thing. So that's really the process of, of, of creating sales is you don't look at the bottom of the mountain and figure out how can I build some overbuilt, overbuilt system or machine. You do the real work, which is not a million phone calls or whatever. It's really hike your stuff up to the top of the mountain change yourself enough that your mountain gets bigger and your river head gets wider and you got a lot more water coming out. All of a sudden you'll notice that when you go down to the bottom, it's moving a lot more water, moving a lot more fast or a lot faster than great ground. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of water, a lot of water and moving faster. There's your more sales and your more everything that you want monetarily. But the other thing is now look at, look at the, the power you've unleashed mm. simply by making that shift. Mm, I love that. And I think the analogy is fantastic because it really helps us to understand how, you know, how far back we need to go because you're right. When people focus on sales, they're just focusing on one tiny, tiny little piece of the equation. But I want to go back to the top of the mountain and that, that beingness that you're talking about, that person that without limitations that, that, that we know that we are, 
And I know that all of us have felt that. And then all of a sudden, you know, we, we start to talk about our brand and our positioning and our mindset kicks in. And that's, that's when we're like, well, we can't position ourselves there or we're not good enough for that or all of those other stories that come in. What are some of the ways that we can bridge that gap to start to really understand uh, where we should be positioning ourselves in the market? Because I'm sure I'm not the only person that sees people positioning themselves way, way, way under where they really should be. Yeah, great question. So when a lot of people go to market, when they first go to market, first they pick competitors, mm-hmm. right? And they say, this is my competition. And they say, well, how is that person or company or whatever positioned or, or not even positioned, but what are they saying? What's their messaging? Let me copy that. So they don't even really position themselves. Mm-hmm. They basically say to some digital marketing agency, take their stuff, rewrite it enough so I don't get any copyright infringement. And then, you know, or, or hell, the digital marketing agency will tell you that, right? You go to them and they'll be like, I was just I about to say the same thing. <laughs> and we're just going to stick your name in there. Yeah. Yep. $500 a month and you're going to have more eyeballs and you know what to do with it. But you're going to have to give us eight months to, to see if it's really working upfront. So they, they don't position, so they don't even have a position. But when they start looking at positioning, they don't even understand what that really is because it's kind of like, then they start saying, okay, well, how do I differentiate mm-hmm. myself? Mm-hmm. And I remember long ago having one of my first marketing mentors. He was like, as long as you get people's attention, it's great. And he used to have these stickers on the side of his car that was like, you know, purple onion marketing. Mm-hmm. And he's like, people will call me. Nobody called him, <laughs> um, you know, because it was, it was, it was ridiculous because, you know, it was just to get attention. Okay. Yeah. You got people's attention, but, but it, was why? Like, it, it, it makes no sense. Yeah. Right. It's, it's stupid. So positioning, you know, is really about who do I want to be and who do, who do I want to be? Who do I want to be to this audience? Who do I want to play with? What energy do I want to put out there? And so it's really, it is that position is really an outgrowth of, of the brand and the beingness of the person. And so that's really, you know, what you want because you say, okay, well, I want to attract, but you know, I want to make sure that I have a brand or, or a position that's going to attract people. You know, that's a big, I have to make sure that I'm going to attract people. Well, Google didn't have any attraction or clients until it went out there and started saying, we're Google and this is what we do and this is what we stand for. You know, there wasn't a market for Google because there was Yahoo. Mm-hmm. And, and you would have looked at it and said, and people said to, to the guys at Google, as a matter of fact, Google tried to sell itself to Yahoo and Yahoo said no. Yeah, I was going to say, big mistake, <laughs> Yahoo. Hashtag don't be like big Yahoo. <laughs> but okay. So, you know, but so they, they went out there and said, okay, who are we? What do we want to stand for? What do we want to? And they really came from them and they, and that energy creates a whole new audience. Mm -hmm. And that's why, again, we come to the river. It's like saying, well, how do I affect the river? How do I affect the river, you know, at the, at the bottom without affecting, you got to go to the top. So that position is based on the river head. How fast is it flowing? Where is it flowing from? But really in terms of positioning, you, 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 you want to step into that higher, into that bigger version of yourself so that you can have fun. Because the other thing that a lot of people are attracted to, I think that early on Google, you know, attracted people were people who were interested in something cool and niche and different and, you know, and, and the same thing that for a long time before Apple became known for iPads, iPods, iPhones, mm-hmm. 
they were the they were beloved by desktop publishers. Mm-hmm. So desktop publishers almost like this is our thing. You can't touch it, right? We're cool. We're artisty people. Mm. We have we have Max. Mm. You suck. Yeah. So you know, totally. <laughs> it's like, yeah, and, and it was like okay, and this, you know, and, and we, I'm totally cool with that. So, but that's the whole thing is that your your brand and your position because you have to have your brand to position it somewhere. Mm-hmm. That really is defined by you know, who do you want to be? How do you want to go to market? And I break it down into like, you know, what are you going to call you? The first three elements of, of, of peerless positioning are your unique moniker, your unique technology, and your unique um, purpose story. Mm-hmm. So your moniker, what are you going to call yourself that nobody else calls themselves? Matter of fact, new client today, he said, you know, when we started out talking, he's like, oh, I'm a life coach. I said, okay, that's the last time you're ever going to say that. Oh, totally. There's not millions of those around at all, are there? <laughs> he's like, why aren't I getting any clients? And with, I, get all these, I get all these poor, depressed people calling me. I'm like, yeah, because you're a life coach. So he's like, well, I want rich celebrities. I'm like, rich celebrities don't hire life coaches, you know. They hire something else. Uh-huh. You can say this, but you can't be a life coach. So changing your moniker. And then you have to have a technology. What what do you do that's different? Because if you say, I was, you know, I'm an accountant and I was trained by Ernst & Young and I do the Ernst & Young approach, well, then you should have just stayed employed by Ernst & Young because what did you bring to the market that, you know, well, different. I do what they do. Yeah, totally. Okay? So you quit, spent $100,000 to start a company to do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. You're not very smart at business, are you? So, and then... <laughs> And finally, you know, your unique purpose story, because ultimately when you get somebody interested in you, you have to have a story behind it and not a BS story, not like, oh, this is cool and somebody made it up for me, but really pulling from yourself again, from that, that riverhead, from that beingness so that people can really engage because that, all of that creates that energy, that, that gravitational pull. You say, where do I get my leads? Where do I? And so those are my clients sitting today. Where do I find them? I said, you don't. They find you because that's the whole thing is you want to create that gravitational pull, especially for coaches, consultants, experts, speakers. You have to be attractive instead of being the grind. Mm-hmm. How many people can I call? How many? Can you grunt it out and get some speaking gigs? Can you grunt it out and get some underappreciative clients? Sure. But those are the clients who are going to stay with you the least. They're going to pay you the least. They're going to demand the most. They're not going to get any results because, you know, you were you weren't being you, and from your position, you were just trying to grab money. Mm. You know, it's the same thing. Going to the bottom of the mountain and like trying to grab the water. Just focus on the riverhead, and everything else will flow from it. Totally, I find that people don't have too much of a problem bringing out that that purpose story or you know the why that they do what they do or how they got there i find that most people really struggle with that first piece that you were talking about that moniker and and just going back a little bit you know you were talking about the the agencies and and you know you go there and talk about the competitors i totally find that they ask that like who are your competitors and this is where a lot of people start because that's that's the conversation that is being had like who are your competitors i personally hate that um that question because it's like well like we're all different we're all unique and that's what you're talking about so how do we start to really pull out that that first that very very first piece because it's very very difficult to do 
I was just, uh, as you were talking, I was just thinking, imagine going on a date, like a nerd first night. Like, so tell me about your competitors. Yeah, you know? but that's what they <laughs> do, right? <laughs> I'm about to buy you dinner, but first, who are, who are two or three of your best competitors so that I can, you know, like, what? How do we, how do we avoid the competition thing? Mm. Is, and, and the moniker, I know I make it sound easy. The moniker is something that's usually always evolving. Mine has over time and everything, but it comes from a couple of things. A, your purpose story, mm-hmm. right? Because that should encapsulate your heart, your soul, your, your, you know, your real purpose, the real joy, the joie de vivre, your mm-hmm. unique enigma, and encapsulating that into something that attracts people. And then the other piece of that is your technology. What is your system? And your technology can be an actual technology, like a software or something, or it could be a methodology. Like I, I don't have software, but I have a methodology. Mm-hmm. So what is that methodology? And again, what are you akinning it to? So like my methodology is revenue kung fu. So that flows with the whole Bruce Lee thing, right? And I can, there's a whole story back behind that. And then finally, so, so you kind of take those two things and say, okay, like what is a, an extrapolation of them? And every time I've, every time somebody's heard me say this for like two seconds, they'll run out and they'll say, Oh, I'm the James Bond of accounting. Oh, I'm the, like, no, you know, I know, I know what is it? Imitation is a serious form of flattery, mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. but laziness is just laziness. Um, so there, you have to find your own way of expressing it. But when you have a moniker, I mean, it, it, at a very basic level, you want to make sure that your moniker has two aspects to it. Mm-hmm. Aspect one is context. Aspect two is curiosity. Mm. So context makes sure that the person knows that you in some way, shape, or form apply to them. So if I say the Bruce Lee of revenue generation, a mother of three who's a stay-at-home mom is going to be like, well, that's nice. And she's not going to ask me any more questions. Because mm-hmm. contextually, even though it sounds, she, I've gotten her curiosity, but contextually she's like, don't need that. <laughs> Don't need anything to do with revenue generation. Now, if you were the Bruce Lee of changing diapers, yeah, maybe. You could talk. Yeah, <laughs> tell me. So, okay, you know, so that sets that. You know, so so the context, the curiosity is is what you're looking to do is to get the person curious enough so that they will ask you, "What does that mean?" or "How does that work?" Because normally, and I created, I created this the the unique um the unique moniker in response to elevator pitches Mm -hmm. because there's this idea that i can be trapped on an elevator for 30 seconds with my ideal client and i will verbal diarrhea out something that at the end of that 30 seconds when the doors open he'll be looking to to shove a check in my hand Mm -hmm. and having studied the subconscious mind for well over a decade, I can tell you, that's not how it works. Mm. Because most times when somebody says, what do you do? First off, they don't care, mm-hmm. right? The, they weren't actually looking for you to give them a diatribe. Mm. They were hoping you would say something like, I'm a chiropractor, I sell ice cream, you know, I, I'm a lawyer. Something where the little box in their head can say, oh yeah, I know what that is. And it can swallow you up because the subconscious mind is always sorting for difference. It's always looking to quantify and qualify in a split second so that it can say, oh, okay, 
don't need to talk to you anymore. Don't need to engage this anymore. I can move on because I, I've quantified you, qualified you, and I've eliminated you. Mm-hmm. So when you're in an elevator, per se, and you've got your guy trapped, and you start going, blah, 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 the, the subconscious mind goes into a, a pattern where it literally puts up a wall. The person is, is aware that you're speaking, but they stop listening after like one second. Because if you don't come back and say, lawyer, doctor, I sell ice cream, and you come back and say, great question, Jerry. I work for the world's greatest, this company, and we have a track record of blah, 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 you know, and you know, JD Power, and, you know, and all, mm-hmm. like, they, they shut down long ago. You know, you, you hit your stride at the 14 second mark, and they're, they just see this mouth moving. Well, it's funny, even as you were talking about it, you know, when you pre-framed this, I'm imagining myself in an elevator thinking, Oh my God, please, I need to get out of this. I need those doors to open really fast. <laughs> because your subconscious is like, I'm being overwhelmed. Yeah. I, was, I didn't want this. So, you know, it, it had a, so the subconscious set up a frame that it wanted filled. You not only didn't fill it, you hit it like with a barrage. Whereas if you say something, and, and again, I came up with monikers and, and understood the power of them because people used to get, try to, long ago I used to be in the speaking world and people used to say, you should come to these competitions and they have the elevator pitch and you win the elevator. And I was thinking like, who the hell wants to go to Las Vegas and win $5,000 because I can diarrhea out words the fastest for 30 seconds? <laughs> like, okay, you know, I'd rather make sales. Yeah. So, but I realized if you say something where you create context and curiosity and you keep it to that same, to that same length where they would expect doctor lawyers, like Bruce Lee, of Gener- Bruce Lee of Revenue Generation, the subconscious mind goes, okay, two things just happened. Contextually, he hit me with something that I know, right? If I'm a, a CEO of a company or something, and I said, Revenue Generation, you catch on to that. But I put something like Bruce Lee in front of it. Now, that creates curiosity. Now, it's not as dumb as Purple Onion mm-hmm. or something, where it's just like, okay, this guy sounds like an idiot. But it's enough to say, okay, these two things are intro, you know, this means something to me, and this creates curiosity, and somehow they go together. And the subconscious goes, okay, I don't know what that means, and I can't move forward. This literally has stopped me in my tracks. And my job is to keep moving forward as rapidly as possible. Mm-hmm. So instead of putting itself into that brain pattern of, of defense, it drops the defense and says, okay, you got me. I have to know more. I don't, I, I don't know which box to open up. I don't know anything. I don't know what to do with you. So I'm going to force this guy to say, wow, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I'm going to make the mouth say that. Wow. Because now, and now the brain is in a pattern where I can start feeding a story. Mm-hmm. And it's going to completely, it's going to allow me to. So instead of having to go, blah, 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 I can take my time. I can weave a story. I can, and then five minutes later when I'm done, and this person doesn't care that it's been five minutes because the brain's been saying, okay, take it in, take it in. Still trying to figure out the box for them. Okay, take it in. Finally, it goes, hmm. Now, if you've done it right, it finally says, okay, I really kind of have to create a new subset box for you, cool, because now I own unique real estate mm. in that person's mind. So, and if I, and you say, I want to be top of mind, easiest way to be top of mind, be by yourself. Yeah, there's no one else so there. That, that's, that's the whole thing. So it really, again, you know, it comes from all those pieces. What, 
what is my passion? Because you can make stuff up, right? Uh-huh. I could have made up a bunch of BS about, but Bruce Lee really is like my spiritual mentor, my guide. He's, he means a lot to me. And, and I, I do a lot of things in, in his, you know, like, like he did. And so it really is interwoven into my story. So when you can put all those pieces together and then put in that package of context and, and curiosity, it's like, bam, you can make really powerful impact, impact in a split second. Mm, what I love is mixing that context with the mm. curiosity because I've always been of the belief that a lot of people that teach this are makes, you know, sounds something, make something sound so different that people ask, oh, what is that? But what they miss is that context piece to know whether we want to ask because I'm the kind of person that if someone says something that makes no sense, I'm not the person that will say, oh, tell me more. I'll just be like, oh, great. Because I don't want to put myself out there um, in a position where I still have no idea what they're talking about because that's really uncomfortable, right? It's easier just to go, oh, okay, no worries and moving on. So I love yes. that you've brought that context piece into the, you know, and matched it in with the curiosity. That just makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. I'll pink tutu on, on top of French fries. Okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Don't need that today. <laughs> one of the loony house. Absolutely. So positioning. Going back originally, you know, we were talking about how do people position themselves in the marketplace um, mm-hmm. when they don't necessarily feel like that's somewhere that they belong. Now, what I find really intriguing about this is most times the, the you know, the people that I'm talking to, they'll say, oh, you know, I can't, I can't position myself there. I'm not good enough. Or, you know, I can't position myself there. Some other guru's position, you know, that does something like that. And I'll say, do you really believe that? Are you, are you really good? And they always say yes. So it's like they're contradicting themselves in that they're saying they're not good enough. But when you really ask them, like, are you good? Oh, yeah, of course I am. So how, how do people bridge that gap to really position themselves? Like we're not talking about now, you know, the statement that we're using, but actually positioning ourselves in the marketplace. Well, okay. So I'll take that from the standpoint of, of energetically, which is what I think you were kind of alluding to. Do I mm-hmm. actually feel yeah, that that's I exactly am exactly right? Person? Yeah. Okay. So what that boils down to is imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm 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 not worthy to be at this level. There's these other people, and they have written books, and I haven't written a book, or they make millions of dollars, and I'm barely scraping by, and this feeling of until I have books or until I'm making millions of dollars, I cannot stand in their presence and be considered an equal. So that comes back to beingness. And that is a a beingness of ego. And the ego is two things. The ego, when we say ego, people always think ego means that somebody who goes out there and says, I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread and nobody's better than me, blah, blah, blah. The ego is actually a coin with two sides because the ego is also the little voice in you that says you're worthless and dumb and nobody wants to listen to you and you're a fake and you're a phony and whatever. And it, it's both sides of these. So if you pick up that coin, it's my old mentor, Harv Eckers said, you pick up the coin, you're picking up both sides. You can't just pick up one side of the coin, you're going to pick up both. So there's a, a good amount of self-exploration that has to happen. This is why I'm a, a huge fan of 
meditation, visualization, is because you have to do that work on yourself on a regular basis to divorce your higher self from your ego because the ego screams really, really loud and it lives inside your brain. And your brain doesn't just exist in your in your head. It also, you, know, you have neurotransmitters and neurons and whatever throughout your digestive tract. So that's why when you get gut feelings, when you feel fear and stuff like that, that's actually the more neurons in your, in, around your, it's called the enteric nervous system firing off in connection with what's going on in your brain, the little voice screaming, you know, whatever, be afraid mm-hmm. um, or be sad or, or whatever it is. So the first piece is to understand that, again, the, the real work of success, not just making money, but the real work of success is working on yourself and becoming a more successful version of you. Again, not measured in dollars, but success of, am I closer to being who I want to be? And the closer you are to being who you want to be and stepping into that, that grander version of yourself, the less you really listen to the ego and the less you look at other people in a, in a monetary or, or social standing way because you're not even looking at them in that way anymore. You're really looking at yourself and am I really bringing to this earth what I want to do, who I want to be? Am I truly serving other people, you know, as opposed to am I in a competition with this guy who's written five books and, and whatever and just has, a, has his own marketing team? Mm. The second piece about imposter syndrome, and this is something that a lot of people, after I say it, they go, they go like, wow, that, you know, and, and this only came to me a short time ago. But imposter syndrome is that thing, like, I have to keep learning stuff and I have to, you know, I want to learn more. I want to get another degree. I want to, I want more credit. I want to, to engage more and be more so that I can give more and prove myself. And what that actually says is I'm willing to, I want to go learn more stuff so I can help people even more. Mm-hmm. Right. I, so, so that, you know, I, I feel like a fraud because I feel like I can't help them enough. I want you to look at that though, for a second. I want to go put myself through more torture more time of learning, more whatever, so that I can serve you better. That's the entire opposite of of an imposter. Somebody who says, I want to do, I want to take on more responsibility. I want to take more effort so that I can be better for you. That, whatever the opposite of an imposter is, the, the, the most sincere, true soul in the world, that's what that person is. The imposter is the person who says, my books make me, I don't have to do anything because I have books. I don't have to do anything because I have 5 million followers. You just have to follow me. You just have to love me. You just have to pay me. That's an imposter. So the person with heart who wants to bust their hump, who will not rest because they still want to give you more. They still want to be more so they can be more for you. The, the fact that you have imposter syndrome proves you're not an imposter. Wow. That is just so valuable. And I think that definitely, if you're listening, go back and listen to that because that just turns everything that we have believed, everything that up until now we thought was truth, completely turned on its head, completely turned on its head. So valuable. I want to go back and touch on, you talked about your positioning evolving. 
And I want to touch on this because I think this ties into what you were just talking about with the imposter syndrome, where people think that when their brand evolves or when their messaging evolves or when their stories evolve, that that somehow they think that they haven't kind of, and I'm going to put this in air quotes, got there. They haven't sort of reached that pinnacle of where they're meant to be. And they almost look at themselves as a failure in that they haven't got this end story. Can you talk about and can you talk into that involvement of the brand and why it's a good thing and not a bad thing? Like why is it why is it good that your brand keeps evolving? Absolutely, because I think some people are really afraid to change their brand because they feel like it's it's almost like a failure. Okay. Well, I, I can tell you because that's that's been the story of my life. Is you know, ten years ago I was the guru selling guy, and then eight years ago I was the subconscious lead gen guy and five years ago i was the peerless positioning guy and you know now i'm you know the revenue kung fu guy and so you know i'm probably different than most people right you come to the person who runs burger king and they get like you know 70 years of good burgers okay <laughs> great. um yeah so 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 i'm probably a bit more akin to being able to speak to this so from my perspective and everything i say is purely my perspective you can take this and you know bag of cheese doodles and it's worth the same thing but my my perspective on it is how you view how you view your business so if you view your business as just something to make money then you really should ignore everything i've told you because you're you're you know you should really just machine out everything hire a digital marketing agency and be done with it because because and this is why i teach revenue kung fu kung fu actually means skill acquired through perseverance and so a great pianist or a great teacher or a great parent, that's their Kung Fu. It doesn't mean kicking people's butt. It actually means skill acquired to perseverance. So revenue Kung Fu is the people who have chosen their business as their Kung Fu, their journey to truly develop themselves. And real quick on, on Kung Fu, Kung Fu was developed at the Shaolin Temple. And the reason that the, that the monks learned Kung Fu these were Buddhist monks. They learned Kung Fu not because they wanted to learn how to fight. They learned Kung Fu because they were so out of shape when they tried to meditate for long periods of time, they fell asleep. So they learned Kung Fu so they could get their physical body into better shape so they could meditate longer so they could go to a deeper level. Mm -hmm. so they could go, sorry, a higher level and truly you know, reach enlightenment and everything. So it wasn't done for the love of, of kicking butt. It was done for the love of, of, of them as a person reaching their higher level. So in that, you know, it's, it's that same thing in, in terms of evolving the brand. You are always growing as a, as a person. If your brand, especially for coaches, consultants, expert speakers, your brand is you. Your brand is a reflection of you. So if you stop growing as a person, you have nothing new to give you know, we were saying before about the imposter syndrome. So I have a number of friends, or I should say peers, um, who came up with a, you know, some kind of good brand and good money-making system eight years ago. And they're still cranking it out. And they still have the Facebook ads. And they're still running the same workshops. And, they still, and they're like, but I, you know, when I'm scaling my business, I'm at 4.6 million this year, da 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 You know? but they're teaching the same stuff mm -hmm. and they're not growing. They're not, you know, they're not giving more to their 
to their clients. Mm -hmm. They're like, you know, I take them to this level, I take them from here to here and, you know, and then whatever. And then I've got the next tier thing or something. But ultimately there's some point where they're like, you know, I've stopped, you know, and you know, you have to go and they, they push you off into somebody else who will, you know, they'll get a commission from and, and whatever. So if you're not evolving, you can't take and help that person further on the journey, take them, you know, you know, and be more for them. So if you're purely in it for money, you know, then you get to a certain point and you don't have to worry about evolving. I think your life is going to suffer because if you look, if you say this business is, you know, my way of expressing myself in the world and I stop at a certain level, well, what the hell does that mean for you as a person? Mm. You know, I've stopped evolving as a person. So if you're evolving as a person and you are the brand, you are the, the fountainhead, you are the riverhead, then it behooves you to evolve your brand, to evolve your positioning. So, you know, when I say positioning, I bring it back to martial arts. You know, positioning in martial arts in combat means finding the, 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 the position against my opponent where there's an opening for me to move in. But that opening is not going to stay there. I hit him once. I hit him once from the left that he didn't see coming. He's going to put his hand on mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to hit him there again. Mm-hmm. He's, if he's smart, if he's dumb. Uh, yeah, well, then, dumb, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if he's oh, thinking about he breakfast. Again, <laughs> you know? Okay, bang, 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 now down he comes. But, you know, if he's, if he's good, he's going to put up. And, and so I'm going to have to reposition myself. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, as I'm also as I'm in combat, in the dance, as Bruce Lee called it, I'm evolving as a person. I'm, my brand is expanding because I'm learning from this experience as I go. So I'm changing my position, but I'm changing myself at the same time. And so these two things are constantly happening there. Same thing for you in your business as a coach or a consultant. Every time, every conversation that you hang up with a client when you're done, you have changed a bit. You, If you're doing it right, mm-hmm. you came up with some little insight that you didn't have an hour ago, some new perspective, some new, boom, boom, boom. And you're constantly growing and changing your position. So it's, it, it has to happen. And your, your true fans are going to love you for it. Mm. They're not going to fight you for it. Now, will you lose people as you evolve? Sure. I've lost people who are like, Eric, I liked it when you just told us, you know, cool little tactics to sell more. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. But I'm telling you that the ultimate tactic for you to sell more is to go journey up the mountain with me to the to the mindset. No, I really just want to know what's going to increase my sales by 5% by the close of this month. Mm-hmm. I can't help you anymore, pal. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not at the bottom of the mountain. Mm-hmm. So now the other thing is I've picked up other fans along the way, right? So I lose some here, I gained some at Legion, I lost some there. You know. So are you going to start at the top of the mountain with everybody that you, you know, are going to finish at the top of the mountain with everybody you started with? Probably not unless your mountain is very small, mm-hmm. in which case you're probably not going to get a lot of water out of it. But you know, if you've, if you've got the right mountain and it, you know, you keep going, you're, you're going to have, it's going to change. You're going to have some diehard people, but you're always going to have the right dynamic. And that's the most important thing. Mm, I love this so much. You're sharing so many value bombs, Eric. For people that are listening that want to stay connected with you and learn more about what, you know, what, how you can help them, I guess. I was going to say what you do, but I think we've got a good idea of what you do. Um, how can they do that? 
Um, well, you can go on over to my website. That's ericlures.com. That's E-R-I-K-L-U-H-R-S.com. You can um, also find me on LinkedIn. Uh, again, you can type in my name or just Bruce Lee of Revenue Generation. I'm the only one mm-hmm. on, on LinkedIn. <laughs> Pretty easy to find me. And, uh, you know, just reach out to me and, uh, you know, happy to, happy to chat with folks. Love it so much. Of course, we'll put all of those links in the show notes as always. Eric, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your stories and your insights. It's been ever so enlightening. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to the show. Whenever you're ready, here are three ways I can help you. Number one, grab a free copy of the Thought Leaders Positioning Checklist over at samanthariley.global forward slash checklist. Number two, check out my inner circle for coaches, experts, and change makers over at samanthariley.global forward slash inner circle. Or number three, connect with me to discuss how I can work with you on a more personal or a one-on-one level at hello at samanthariley.global. I look forward to hanging out with you here again on Thursday, right here on the Thought Leaders Business Lab.